0: Welcome to the Coaching Kids Curling Podcast. My name is Glenn Gabriel, and I'm a certified curling coach who lives in Pickering, Ontario, Canada. It's the summer of 2020, and the world is still dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic. The start of a new curling season is approaching soon, but there's still a lot of uncertainty when it comes to whether we'll be able to return to curling clubs. And if we do return, what kind of changes will be in place when we start curling? In this episode... I'll talk about the return-to-play guidelines from Curling Canada and what that could mean for Little Rocks programs this fall. In this week's Coaching Tidbit, I'll tell you about a youth soccer club in England that has a very clear sense of its mission and goals. It all ended last March, the curling season. Since then, we've been living in a COVID world. By the time you're listening to this, It's late July. Now the big question is, will curling return in the fall? And if it does, what will it look like? I've been thinking about this question a lot lately. I've also been thinking about whether it will be worth it to run my Little Rocks program this coming season. Before I launch into my concerns, a disclaimer. The information I mention in this podcast is current up to July 26th of 2020. This is a fluid situation, and my concerns could be moot by the time you hear this, so I encourage you to seek out the latest updates from your local government and curling organizations. Okay, now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. In early July, Curling Canada released their Return to Play Guidelines document. There was only one section that mentioned youth curling. Quote, It may be a challenge for youth programs to be compliant with physical distancing guidelines, especially the Little Rock players. Consider postponing youth programming until guidelines are relaxed, unless you can ensure physical distancing is enforced. Perhaps a requirement for one parent or guardian per youth player? So let's start with physical distancing. If you look at the guidelines, almost all of the on-ice discussion assumes regular gameplay with eight players per sheet. There is a lot of direction about where to stand, who is sweeping, and ways to avoid close contact during an eight-person game. For example, no handshakes or coin flips. The standard for physical distancing is to keep two meters apart. In follow-up discussion, there's even a suggestion that clubs explore alternative forms of gameplay, like triples or doubles play. So there's even more physical distancing. If our Little Rocks program behaved like an adult league, it's possible we could just copy those recommendations. However, the kids don't just come to the club to play a game. At one of our typical practices, we start with a group warm-up, then we go on the ice for skill development, which is closely run by our coaches. Even during game time, coaches are close by teaching kids, whether it's showing someone how to skip, giving delivery advice in the hack. Or even pointing out some brushing technique. If there is physical distancing, it would probably eliminate many of the traditional parts of our weekly practice the warm up, the cheer at the end of practice, snack in the upper lounge, just to name a few. Much of that is related to the general lack of space in our building and the difficulty of keeping physical distancing, considering the activities we do. More importantly, How do we teach basic skills without some proximity to our students? Not only do coaches have to remain distant from our students, but the students themselves have to be distanced from one another. This isn't just a question for our youth programs, but theoretically, it's for any learn-to-curl age group, including adult rentals. Now let's move on to league numbers. Although the city of Toronto is still in stage 2 of the province's reopening plan, Most of the province is now in stage 3, which states that indoor sports facilities can have leagues of 50 people maximum. There is still some clarification needed for that guideline. It looks like a curler can't belong to more than one club at a time. But does that mean a curler can only belong to one 50-person league and can't belong to more than one league at the same club? Here are some more follow-up thoughts. 1. Many of my coaches are club members whose children are in my program. If they want to curl, would they still be able to coach in my program? Because if they participated in both, wouldn't that mean they would belong to two leagues, technically? 2. Assuming that each youth curler brings one parent, that would mean a maximum of 25 kids in my program, correct? 3. A big question would be how we deal with changeovers. The league that goes on before us uses all six sheets, which makes it roughly 50 people. When that league and the little rocks are in the upper lounge at the same time, we're talking about more than 100 people in the space. Now, to be fair, Curling Canada has come up with some solutions in their Return to Play document, but it will definitely require some major changes. Now, let me touch on the subject of cleanliness. Besides the light rocks, Kids borrow brooms, stabilizers, and sliders from the club to use on practice day. The return-to-play guidelines recommend either the cleaning of these items after each use or removing those items entirely from the ice shed. Even using the scoreboard would be off-limits. Masks As of July 7th, everyone who enters an indoor public space in Toronto must wear a mask or face covering. That's fairly clear. But the follow-up question is, who is going to enforce this if someone doesn't wear a mask? According to the Curlon website, it will be up to the volunteers, board members, and employees to, quote, be firm and strong when enforcing these new protocols, and to communicate that noncompliance will result in penalties to the club and to the individual. Liability forms. All forms would have to be updated to include references to COVID. Parents would have to sign two forms. First, a typical Assumption of Risk form for a minor, and then a Declaration of Compliance, which would state that a young curler was not exposed to COVID and took reasonable precautions to prevent their exposure. As a program organizer, we're used to paperwork, but this would be another layer of paper that we would have to deal with. I'm going to stop here. I haven't even addressed issues like contact tracing. CurlOn acknowledged that they're still working on other parts of the game, including youth curling and wheelchair and stick curling. Ultimately, it's going to be up to each individual club and their return-to-play committees to decide whether to open or not. And it'll also be up to them to decide how they're going to reopen, if they do. As someone pointed out to me, it'll be interesting to see what schools do with their sports activities if and when they reopen in September. Perhaps we can copy some of their best practices. I'd like to give a shout out to the Game of Stones podcast, who had an excellent discussion of COVID and return to play in two recent episodes, specifically when it comes to reopening clubs and competitive teams. At this point, I personally don't know if it's worth the trouble to reopen our Little Rocks program. While sports are important for the well-being of young people, we also have to weigh what's in the best interests of kids and the volunteers. If you have questions about COVID and youth curling, please feel free to email me at coachingkidscurling at gmail.com, and I'll try to get answers for you. No matter what you choose to do, coaches, I wish you the best. This isn't going to be easy. Okay, now it's time for this week's Coaching, coaching tidbit. tidbit. In this segment, I share a piece of coaching information that might help you in your coaching education. Salisbury Rovers FC is a youth football club in England that was founded in 2016. In a very short amount of time, the club has won the Wiltshire F.A.'s Club of the Year Award in 2018 and 2019. What sets it apart from other football clubs? Go to the front page of their website and start reading. Youth football is a kid's game. It belongs to kids, not to adults. Kids do not, and should not, play for adult entertainment. They should play for themselves. They should play because they love football. This love of the game drives development. You can see it every time a truly great player plays. Our job is to cherish that love of the game and use it to promote individual and football development. So let me ask you coaches, does your youth curling program clearly state its values, mission, and goals? If not, shouldn't it? This has been the Coaching Kids Curling podcast. To reach me, Coach Glenn, please email coachingkidscurling at gmail.com to subscribe to our podcast visit our website at coachingkidscurling.com you can also find show notes and links to the resources mentioned in this episode and in previous episodes the intro and outro music was golden sunrise by josh woodward thanks for listening good luck and good curling